Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. They are not migrants. Um, the, the correct term is illegal alien. And you know, there is a, a, a concerted effort to keep people from using the word illegal alien, right? Because if you define something as it is, people might actually start doing something about it. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the beginning of the last days. Uh, we hope that we're gonna make it through and uh, that the end is not imminent, but that we have some time to have a little bit of fun as we watch evil be exposed. And uh, that's a very good thing when evil is exposed. You know that I love to start the show uh, by reading from my dad's Bible. He passed away two years ago. And my dad was someone who loved to open this word and he would just underline from the beginning to the end of this. And what is so interesting today is that, uh, you know, I just kind of opened it up and, and here's what happened. It fell to uh, the underlying parts of where Samuel uh, is very upset because he anointed King Saul to be the king and, and the king has turned out to be a narcissistic, fraudulent perpetrator of evil himself. So Samuel anoints Saul. Saul sets up a, a big, you know, uh, memorial to himself. And what's funny about this portion is that you know that sometimes when I can't sleep or especially early morning, if I'm up a bit early, I put on Bible Gateway onto my uh, phone and I just listen. And this morning I started at 1 Samuel 1 and I listened all the way to this very part. And this is what opens up. And let me, let me just read this to you and I, I'll give you some context. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and has not performed any commandments. And it grieved Sam Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. So Samuel, the great prophet, he eventually is going to be anointing the next great king, and that will be King David. For all times, he becomes the king. But here's what happens. Samuel then goes to Saul and he says, you have been evil in my sight and God is going to remove you from, from your throne. And he has to give him the words. But Saul says to him, but I've done all these sacrifices. What do you mean? I followed the sacrifices. I brought in all the bulls and the lambs and we, sac we sacrificed it to God. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't obey God. So he thought, oh, I'll just disobey. I'll just do whatever I want. Have you ever seen how, how, have you noticed how the kings of the world, the prime ministers, the presidents, uh, these crazy people running our world, destroying our world, and they want to be disobedient. They don't want to follow in indecency, respecting sovereignty, respecting our nations, respecting prudent protection of the people, following the ways that made the United States of America, that made Canada great. Those are Judeo-Christian values. Those are Christian values that mean that people are important and that you protect them and that you don't take bribes and you don't set up narcissistic, uh, you know, emblems to yourself. So then uh, Samuel says this, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. You know what we have? We have an entire world full of witchcraft, divination. Uh, they're following their own ways. 
They are allowing our nations to be seized. And indeed, I have said so many times, we have been seized. Now, the next gentleman that uh, is going to be speaking with us today, should should we run his clip, JT, of... Um, yeah, okay. So we'll just bring him on. Anthony Rubin, uh, you are a reporter and have done incredible investigations into all of these migrants that are flooding the United States of America. And you have put yourself, in fact, in tremendous peril. And I just want to thank you for your sacrifice for the nation and for what you do, because not very many young men uh, would, would have the courage to do what you've done. And in fact, just last month, you ended up being taken hostage with your brother. So Anthony, welcome. Thank you very much for being here. And tell us a little bit about your journey in following what's happening at the southern border. Sure, yeah, well, thanks for having me. And um, the journey that I took to follow the southern border, well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, I've been, I've been studying this for a few years now. This uh, wasn't my first rodeo. Um, you know, investigating what's happening with the United States southern border, which really I shouldn't even call it a southern border. It's a southern frontier. We don't really have a border at this point. Um, you know, it's just an open stretch of land that people can basically openly pass through. There is a wall that's kind of there for show. You know, people just kind of walk around the wall and nothing's done about it because there's plenty of openings. Uh, but this this wasn't my my first time down there. I've been doing this for a few years now. Basically, since Joe Biden was uh, put into office, I had started going down there, and the situation just continues to get worse. And so, um, in mid October, well, I'd been planning it out for a while, but in mid October, I actually got on a plane and went down to uh, Quito, Ecuador, which is the start. We could get into it, but that's basically the start of this mass migration trail all the way to the United States border. And so, I trekked with all of these illegal aliens from Ecuador all the way to the United States border. It's incredibly dangerous. It's a long journey. Um, you know, I mean, there's, we could sit here for, I'm going to be putting out a documentary about it, but we could literally sit here for five hours and talk about it. We wouldn't even get through everything. Um, but yeah. And so, I mean, I saw the entire pipeline and it's pretty incredible. And our country is being overrun by, you know, 10,000 people a day. And I saw exactly the pipeline that they are following to get here. And just in closing, I just want to get something straight, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not blaming you. I say this in every interview that I do. Um, you know, we've been conditioned to call these people to use the word migrant and to say that they are migrants. That is not the correct word to use. They, they are not migrants. Um, the, the correct term is illegal alien. And, you know, there is a, a, a concerted effort to keep people from using the word illegal alien. Right. Because if you define something as it is, people might actually start doing something about it. In New York City, for example, you are not allowed to use the term illegal alien. If you call somebody illegal alien, you could actually be sued. It's like a derogatory term now. It's actually like anti. I don't even know how they're allowed to get away with that. Such a law. But that's the law. You're not allowed to use that word there. So the word migrant is not correct. A migrant, the definition of that is somebody or something that goes to a place temporarily and then moves on or goes back to where they came from. And, you know, we used to have legitimate migrant workers in this country, and I guess we still do to some extent. A migrant worker is somebody who comes like seasonal, right? They'll come and they'll work somewhere for a summer or for a couple of seasons. They'll go back home. That is a migrant. That is a legitimate migrant. These people are not migrants. They are entering the country permanently for a permanent stay, which means they're immigrating here and they're doing so illegally. They're illegal aliens. That is the legal definition. And um, that's that's the word that we need to use because we need to accurately call this as it is. So that's that. That's my rant. That's my intro and any questions so you have, I'm 
Hundred percent, and and I I feel uh, you know I think that's a really important point that you're making because sometimes we're just being too nice about all of this stuff that's going on, and basically you have reported um, as you've um, traveled uh, the Darien Gap uh, was overwhelmed six months ago as you and Michael uh, Yon have reported, and we're going to be having Michael on uh, in the next few days, uh, and there was a surge. And what have you seen um, you know since then? Uh, you decided that you would basically put yourself a sort of in with the the folks that are are doing these illegal journeys towards America. Hmm. Uh, well, it, it continues to get worse. It continues to get worse. Let's put it this way: the, the situation is not getting any better uh, since I started reporting on this. Uh, you know, almost three years ago until now, the situation just continues to unravel. Right. Every time I well, when I first started going down there. My, my first trip was in the summer of 2021, so like two and a half years ago. And, um, you know, I went down there and I thought, wow, well, this is pretty incredible. I'm glad I'm getting to witness this now because there's no way this is going to last. And then, of course, it, it, it just gets worse. And at this point, it's like, you know, because you, you as a reporter, sometimes you might have FOMO, right? Some crazy story will be happening and you'll kind of wish you were on the ground capturing it yourself. Uh, you know, experiencing it and see what was going on. So you could report on it. And then at this point with the border, it's impossible to have any sort of FOMO because there's some crazy thing going on. You wait a couple of weeks and it's just going to be another crazy caravan that's coming up here or something happening in Honduras or, or, or Panama or Colombia. I mean, like it, it's just never ending and it's not stopping anytime soon. As long as the, our Southern border remains open, um, this is going to continue to, to happen. Uh, the whole world is coming up here. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that's all I can say. It's, it's a situation that is certainly not getting any better. So um, tell me about the the danger when you were actually um, taken hostage by some folks. That that was pretty scary. I understand it was very near the southern border or area, as you say. It's not even a border anymore. So what happened? Yeah. So uh, so like I said earlier, my my brother and I we did this whole month long journey from Ecuador all the way to the U.S. border, a journey which we could sit here and talk about for for you know hours. But uh, eventually, we made it up to the United States border, and um, we were about to cross the border and finish up our journey so we could go home and make our documentary. And um, literally, like right near the U. So so the area we were going to cross is. Um, we we're going to cross into Boca Chica, Texas, which is right where Elon Musk's SpaceX is, is right there in the Gulf of Mexico. And so we're walking up a public Mexican beach. Anybody can look this up. It's called Playa Baghdad. And um, basically you, you you get off at Playa Baghdad. That's where the road ends. And you have to walk up about seven miles of public Mexican beach until you reach the uh, Rio Grande River, where the Rio Grande River spits out to the Gulf of Mexico. And then you would just walk across the river, maybe, I'm not sure how far, you know, maybe 100 feet or so. And you're in U.S. territory. And so we're walking up this Mexican beach. Again, it's about seven miles from where we get dropped off to where the, to where the U.S. is. And, um, you know, eventually we, we're, we're, we're picked up. I mean, long it's, it's a very long story, but, like, I'm going to give you the Spark Notes version. We're, we're basically picked up by a truck. This truck says, you know, you, you can't keep walking up this beach. And we say, well, okay, we're not going to stop walking up this beach. Like, what's the problem? And the guy basically says, listen, get in my truck right now. I'll take you back down to where you came from, and that'll be the end of it. In hindsight, that was our warning, and I probably should have listened to the guy, but for multiple reasons, I, I didn't do that. I mean, number one being I simply don't know who this man is in his truck. I'm not getting in his truck. And uh, number two is we have to complete the mission. 
Um, so the guy says, okay, well, if you're not going to get in my car, I'm going to have to call my friend who's down there by the border where we are going to cross. And I'm going to have to let him know that you're on your way. And so he gets on the phone with this man. And once he did that, our fate was basically sealed. He gets off the phone. He says, okay, listen, no matter what happens now, you need to get in my car. Cause if you walk up there, it's going to be bad news for you. Walk up there, meaning walk up to the U S border. Where we're going to cross and this whole time. I keep telling these men that I'm just trying to take pictures of, of, uh, SpaceX from the Mexican side. I'm obviously not telling them that I'm trying to cross. You know, so we get in the guy's truck. We determine that there's really no choice. We start driving and we drive right up to the border. At this point, I can see SpaceX right in front of me. I'm looking at my Google Maps. I can't see the river just because of the lay of the land. There's like a bit of a, a decline to the river, but I'm about like 300 feet away, maybe two, 300 feet. And uh, this man that they had called gets in the car. And I can tell instantly that this is not a man who I want to be in the car with. They instantly whip the truck around. We start driving back down south. And um, uh, this man gets on the phone with a woman. They're speaking Spanish. He's, he puts me on the phone with her and she starts speaking perfect English to me. And she tells me exactly what's going on. She says, listen, you're in the car with some men. One of them was my husband. You're now in the hands of the cartel and you're going to be handed off to armed men um, who are, you know, they're, they're going to take you basically. And, uh, you know, you normally people have to pay to go where you are going by the river and you didn't pay. And so now this is what's happening. And I suggest that you tell them exactly what you told me, which was that I'm just going to take photos of SpaceX. Uh, we drive back down the beach. We pull up next to another truck, like literally right next to the truck. Like there was no room for us to kind of squeeze out and run if we wanted to. And they, they order us out and, um, and into this other truck. They're screaming at us. This other truck is, uh, managed by three armed men. They're all carrying assault rifles. Okay. These are cartel members. And, um, you know, they pull us into this truck. They drive us about 10 minutes inland. I'm giving you the spark notes version here. Uh, they now we're 10 minutes inland. Nobody's around us except these men. They order us out of the truck, pull, pull, you know, tell us to lay out our bags, empty out our bags. They see our camera and our drone. They start bugging out. They start accusing us of being military intelligence agents. They search us for wires. They start going through all of our electronic data. They put us on their knees. They take hostage type photos. They're like holding my brother. He's like pinning him up against the truck, not letting him go anywhere. Um, and then another truck rolls up with four more armed men all have assault rifles. So now we're not going anywhere. We're trying to negotiate with these guys. They're not letting us go. They just continue to say that now we're part of an investigation and that we're going to see the boss, El Jefe, whatever that means. Uh, they tie up our hands. They throw blindfolds on us and they stick us in the back of a truck. And um, we're just driving now. We're just driving throughout Mexico, going down dirt roads. You know, we're not, we don't know where we're going. They just keep saying, investigation, going to see El Jefe. I'm like, all right. And we're just driving, 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 making stops. People walking up to the car, whispering about us, driving again. The same thing keeps happening. They're smoking pot in the car, talking on their walkie-talkies and whatnot. And I hear them kind of talking about us. And um, eventually the doors open up, blindfold comes off. And, you know, my brother and I are in the middle of an abandoned field. And I'm thinking we could literally get shot in the head right now. Why else are we in this abandoned field? But instead they, they take out a crowbar and they take all of our electronic gear and they just decide to smash all of our electronic gear to bits and pieces. Uh, including our phones and our laptop and our camera. And they stole our drone. That's the one thing they didn't smash. And basically they, they warned us, you know, about, you know, basically not to mess with them. And uh, they, they let us go. And um, that's basically the story. And listen, it's a cool story. And I guess it's, you know, it shows that I got some journalistic stripes. And, you know, I guess I'll tell this story maybe on a, a date or at a Christmas table in like 20 years or something. It's, you know, it's like an Indiana Jones story, but that's not really the point. That doesn't concern people, right? The concerning point is this. 
I got taken right across the river from Elon Musk SpaceX, an area that you would imagine would be highly secure. That's a critical spaceport. There's any area of the border that you would imagine would be surveilled where these people wouldn't be operating. I would imagine it might be right there. But no, these people are operating right there. Now, my point isn't saying that is what. If these people are operating right there, literally a mile from Elon Musk SpaceX, where they're launching off, you know, hundred million or billion dollar rockets, right? What's going on in areas of, you know, Arizona desert where it's just hundreds of miles of nobody? What are they doing over there? What kind of weapons might they be taking across? What kind of groups or people might be coming across? What types of, of drug movements might be taking place? The Lord only knows. But certainly that type, all of the above is going down, um, um, you know, in these areas of just, you know, barren desert where there's nobody, right? So the point is I now have firsthand proof, firsthand evidence, firsthand experience that our border is completely managed by a group of quite literally narco terrorists. You know, we talk about ISIS, we talk about Al Qaeda, how brutal they are, how I, you know, there's these videos of ISIS chopping off people's heads, but these people that are managing our Southern border, controlling the flow of, you know, of, 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 of weapons and people and drugs, they're just as brutal. I could find the same videos from the group of men that kidnapped me, the Gulf cartel, chopping off people's heads. They're, they are equally as brutal as any terrorist organization, yet we do nothing about it. And so as far as it's concerned, as far as my kidnapping is concerned, that is the, uh, the, the, the point of relative importance for certainly any American that's watching this. Um, yes, it is. Uh, why do you think they, they didn't uh, deal with you in a different manner? Why, why were you let go? Um, I'm not too sure. You know, I think bottom line is certainly I meant nothing to them. I, you know, if, if they were given the orders to, to chop my head off or to put a bullet in my head, they, they would have done that. I don't, you know, I, I don't think these are merciful men. These are men that are just following orders. Um, so if El Jefe gave them the order, whoever that is, gave them the order to do that, I think they would have done it. Um, I think simply whoever is in charge probably just didn't want any beef with Americans and probably, they probably figured they probably just looked at the, at the situation and probably just imagined, you know what, this is going to, bring more problems than it will solve if we uh, kill these guys and they disappear. And now we have the U.S. government looking for two missing Americans. I think that's it. I don't think these are merciful people at all. Um, these are very brutal people. Um, that's it. That's the only reason why. So I think that just the fact that I was an American is the only thing that uh, saved, saved me. I think that if I was anybody else, certainly if I was a Mexican, I probably just would have been disappeared and that would have been it. Wow. Well, thank God you're okay. So what we're finding out in the last couple of days, literally, and uh, I was watching Laura Ingram when she was drawing attention, and I'm not sure if she was even using your footage, uh, because she's drawing attention to these young, um, able-bodied men, and apparently like 24 to 26,000 Chinese people are coming in through this southern area of the United States of America. What do you make of that? Have you seen this yourself? Yeah, I've seen it. Of course. Yeah, I've seen I've seen every I've seen people from like all sorts of countries, crazier countries than China coming over here. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, there's so much to say. I'll tell you, I'll say this much. Um, when I so I it's like I start thinking about what I'm going to talk about. And then I realize that that needs context to explain. It's so huge. I was down in the Darien Gap back in April of this year, right? The Darien Gap is basically the stretch of land that connects North and South America. It's it's barren jungle. It's, it, it's, there's nothing there, right? It's just a uh, lawless jungle. And it was designed like that for a reason. The reason why it was designed like that was to be a buffer zone between the two continents, North and South America. If there's an outbreak of something, if there's an outbreak of war or, or disease, whatever it may be in one continent or the other, you could more easily prevent the spread of it if you don't have like a super highway going through this 
you know, area that's called the Darien Gap. So they kept it as a just empty, uninhabited jungle. And, you know, over the last, well, basically since its conception, the only people that have been in there are basically um, rogue criminal guerrilla bandits. I mean, that, that's it. Uh, right. And, and so, you know, it was known as a very, it's still known as an extremely dangerous jungle, but now it's basically become a illegal alien superhighway. Everybody that wants to get up here that can't fly directly into North America first flies into Quito, Ecuador, Colombia, which is where we started our journey in Ecuador. And then they march the Darien Gap and walk up to the United States. And so I was down there back this past April and uh, there were loads of military-aged Chinese pouring across the southern border, a few of whom I kept in touch with as they came into the United States, and uh, one of whom uh, knew I was a journalist and one day sends me a document, it's about 200 pages long, all written in Chinese, and he says, you know, this might actually interest you. It's a document that we used and as information that was helpful to us as we were coming up to the United States of America. It's all written in Chinese, though, so I have the first 20 pages of it translated, and I start reading the translation, and it's... Uh, literally a, an instruction manual on how to get from Ecuador all the way to the United States border. So I have the rest of it translated, all two, roughly 200 pages of it translated, and it's basically an instruction manual on how to get to the United States of America and how to work the asylum system once you're here. And um, so this is just, this is, it's, it's just one example. It's one more piece of evidence. This was given to me, and I was told that this is passed around in, in WhatsApp and WeChat groups. I, I had anybody who goes to my website, they could find the document. I had the WeChat information that was included in the document of the supposed author of this thing redacted just because I'm not going to publish that. Um, but just for journalistic reasons, it's, you know, I can't verify who that is. So I'm not going to put it out there. But um, the point is that they are literally passing around instruction manuals on how to get up to the United States border. And when I put out that document, everybody thought that I was lying to them. They actually thought that I made it up or something, that, I, that it was a big hoax. And now I've gone and I've actually followed that that blueprint that was given to me that I had translated. I'm going to be putting out a documentary and people will see that it's entirely true. And along the way, I found, for example, a hotel in Colombia that's just full of Chinese people that are all on their way to America, every single one of them. Um, you know, and I reported on that and uh, it's it's quite incredible. You know, the hotel, for example, you 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 can tell that it's not just a one-off event because that's what people say. Well, let's say, well, how do you know that it wasn't just some just come some coincidence, right? How do you know that you didn't just happen to be there and there was just a large group of Chinese people for whatever reason passing through? Well, you go around the hotel and all of the signs have a Chinese translation, for example. Uh, you know, more evidence. I didn't publish this again because I'm not going to dox anybody. That's what, you know, Antifa does. I, I don't do that. But what I did when I was there is I actually got a hold of the, the bookkeeping, just of, of their, their book that has all of the names and the passport numbers and the uh, travel destinations of the people for, honestly, it was like months and months of, of names in there, but I only got, I got, got about 15 to 20 pages uh, from that book. And um, it was literally every single name on there going back weeks, as far back as I could photograph uh, was every single name on there was somebody and it had their, you know, it said where their passport was from, what country and the passport number, where they were headed. Every single person in there was from China, all headed to the United States. And so, yeah, this is happening openly. Absolutely shocking. I want to play. Um, so, you know, we wonder about this because um, <clears throat> people are now asking questions like why? Why are we? Why the Chinese? Uh, but why all of it? Um, and so there's an interesting um, an interesting little speech that uh, that the U.S. Congress has made. So I want to air that. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border 
is it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our, our shores and our border. But there's also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you're an undocumented person in this country and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like, you can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented who want the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. So is this basically what's happening? Is that, uh, can this possibly be true? It's the most insane thing I've ever heard. Oh, we can't get enough American young men to sign up into the military, maybe because you've turned so woke and, you know, they have to have classes on on how to use the right pronouns. Uh, but now we're, we're just going to invite the world and Chinese people will come here and fight for us. Not just Chinese people. It could be people from any nation state. I mean, yeah, they, I, you know, I've already uh, met. I was just talking with a, a friend of mine um, like two weeks ago over Thanksgiving who is, uh, you know, uh, soon to be a, a Navy SEAL. And um, was telling me that there are, he, for example, he knows somebody from China who now has top secret uh, uh, military clearance in the Navy. If you could even believe that, this is not somebody that was born over here. And I don't, listen, like, I don't really want to drop, like, I'll tell you what, the people of China, incredible people. I mean, China has has an incredible history. The CCP, so I don't want this to come across, because this is what people will do. You know, they'll, they'll take what you say and they'll spin it on you and they'll say, well, you're just, you're, you're anti-Asian or you're anti-Chinese. And it's like, I always like to preface what I'm saying, because I, I want to make it expressly clear. I got, I have nothing but respect for the people of China. I think that they are great people, but the CCP is a evil organization, right? They will, they will, uh, there's no mercy with them, right? They do not care. They will disappear people. If you are a threat to their regime, they will disappear people. And they are on record are sending people over here. There are Chinese police stations, for example, that are operating within the United States. Uh, That people will say that's a conspiracy theory. It is not. Uh, there have been recently ones that have been busted in Los Angeles and New York City. So we know that they are operating not just in America, but uh, throughout the West, these communist Chinese police stations. And so uh, that that's a serious threat. Now, as far as what you just said with these people coming in here and serving in our military, I, I'm not too sure at this point what American that has a head between his shoulders would want to serve um, in our military. And it, it's incredibly sad, but the leadership, as far as I'm concerned, is not to be trusted. I love this country with all of my heart. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, which, you know, basically risking my reputation and my life to try to uh, get this information out there because I don't know what other way to fight back in my current uh, position other than to do that, right? I mean, I have uh, a camera. I, I have I have an able body of a man and I'm able to go, you know, into some crazy parts of the world and film this stuff and put the information out there. So my point is, I love this country tremendously. I would never 
serve in the uh, in the military simply because our leadership is not to be trusted. Uh, so who can they get to do that? They can get these people that are coming over here as Senator Dick Durbin in that video calls them undocumented people. You see, they will never use the word illegal alien, right? But they're, they're going to get these illegal aliens to serve because there is nobody else that they are going to get to serve, at least not in the quantity that they need to wage another decade-long endless war. 100%. And um, I was just looking up, I was looking up all these Chinese, you're, you're talking about uh, Chinese police labs that are in the United States of America. And I'll tell you what else, they're in Canada. And Chinese people in Canada, beautiful Chinese, and, and I happen to have a lot of Chinese friends, and they um, are sounding an alarm behind the scenes because police stations and police watching zones are being set up uh, by the Chinese because th this is the bad side. This is what you're talking about, the CCP that, that wants to control the world that is basically infiltrating. And so um, we have that in Canada as well. So maybe one day you can do an undercover here for us. We'd sure appreciate it. But um, the, so, so this could be happening in that there's also lab work that's being done, all, all kinds of crazy stuff is uh is infiltrating our country and so do you think that there is enough being done about this or being said about it because laura ingram's like what's going on she's showing i believe your your stuff but she's like what what's going on and then this guy says oh we maybe need military does the u.s feel that young chinese men that are that are obviously well-funded as you said they're staying in hotels and stuff like this where most migrants are very, um, you know, they're literally tenting their way up to the, the southern border. But isn't this dangerous? Do, they, do we really feel that these young men, even from anywhere, want to come here in order to go into the military to fight for us? Does it make sense? Do you think that the Congress needs to be more on this? Well, we both know the answer to that. Of course, it doesn't make sense. So then you need, and, and you know... Anybody with a with a, a brain in their head that has any ounce of reason that's an adult would realize that this is a ridiculous, asinine suggestion by that man, right? It, it, so we sit here, and again, this is like part of the information war that's being waged upon us, right? So now, now what's happening? Now we are actually sitting here talking about Dick Durbin's ridiculous comment and actually giving that time. So now we're actually sitting here debating the, this ridiculous comment that that man made, you know, thinking... Well, does more need to be done or, 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 or should we even be considering that instead of just flatly rejecting it and saying, no, there, there is a crisis and this man is treasonous for even suggesting that, you see? But this is what they do. And, they, and, they, and they, they, they spin your head around with statements like this and then we get caught up talking about what this man said. It's like, it's like a non-statement. It shouldn't even be considered for a second. And the fact that we're even debating this show, and I'm not saying that you're debating it, but the fact that we as a country are now like making this debate, well, should we allow these people into military or not? It shows how far we've fallen. We can't even like come together now as a nation and identify an issue or identify a treasonous person like this Senator Dick Durbin to even suggest such a thing. It's ridiculous. To answer your question, uh, uh, the people that are running this country at this point know what's going on. I, or he's just, Or he's just a moron. I'm, I don't necessarily believe that that man is a moron, though. I, I don't believe that. I think that you need to be intelligent to put yourself out there and to become a senator. Unless I'm totally mistaken, and he is a moron, and like powerful people just found him and said, hey, we choose you. We're going to put a bunch of money behind you. Go up there and say these words. I think he probably is intelligent. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he's bought and paid for. I think there's a larger agenda here. 
uh, to dissolve the sovereign United States of America. And I don't want to listen. Your entire audience should go if they if they are going to read one thing after this. What they need to go read and understand if they're not already up to date is understand what Agenda 2030 is, the United Nations Agenda 2030. Uh, that's what is taking place now. That's what the West is being attacked with right now. Agenda 2030 was a United Nations blueprint that was signed on under Barack Obama in New York City in 2015. And it basically lays out a blueprint for world socialism. If you say Agenda 2030 to the average person, they'll say, what is that? You're, that's a conspiracy theory. It's not. You go Google it, and it's a legitimate thing that's being rolled out right now. It has 17 sustainable development goals. Okay, there it is right there. If you get, for example, if you get a brand new Samsung phone, if you see right there that colored pinwheel, every new Samsung phone now comes with a sustainable development goal app pre-installed. I just got a new Samsung phone now because uh, the, the cartel smashed my other one. I open it up. The, the sustainable development goal app is right there on the phone pre-installed. This is what we're going into right now. Now, how does this pertain to mass migration of people? People can go read a very important white paper called Migration and the 2030 Agenda. Okay, That was written by the IOM, the International Organization of the Migration, which is the migration arm of the United Nations. It's, it's a direct department underneath the United Nations. Okay, The UN funds them. In this white paper... It says that as far as migration and the 2030 agenda goes, we need to, the goal, okay, is to, it literally says this word for word, right? Like go keyword, go download the PDF and keyword search this. It says that the goal is to facilitate, not to stop migration, okay? And it calls these quote unquote migrants, they're illegal aliens, but it calls these quote unquote migrants agents of development, Okay. If that's not like clear as day what's going on here, that this is part of a larger international agenda to usher all these people in and to wash out homegrown legitimate Americans, I don't know what else to tell you. Now, we can get into the reasons behind this agenda and why they need to do this ultimately to see this agenda carry through. But that's what's going on here. OK, so these people aren't stupid. They know what they're doing. And, and we shouldn't even sit here and debate a, a statement like that. We need to call it out as it is, as pure ridiculousness and, and move on instantly and not waste any time on it. So good. And, and so you're literally, you're, you're, um, you're reporting on something that is uh, following through with this Agenda 2030. And that means Biden's in on it. We know that our, uh, our prime minister is in on it. Our prime minister absolutely loves China. Uh, Klaus Schwab is very prideful that he has um, all sorts of, um, they've penetrated uh, the cabinet is what Klaus Schwab says about Canada, that they have penetrated our country and as they have done in the United States of America. So when we see Biden doing absolutely nothing and we've heard Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris basically saying uh, that, uh, oh no, the border is secure, the border is secure. It's like they're really gaslighting the entire country by us being able to show, I mean, Fox News has done incredible work, you've done incredible work, showing the truth while completely lying, lying to the public. Uh, we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, we definitely are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's exactly right. We are being gaslit. If anybody ever has, a, you know, has had an experience with a narcissistic person, has been in a narcissistic relationship, uh, you know, you would know that the only way out of that is to flat out ignore the narcissist, right? And that's what these people are, actually. These people are extremely narcissistic people. 
Honestly, that, that's, that's all they are. I mean, these politicians, they get a kick out of being in the limelight and they feel very powerful and important. They could give a damn about the American people. But we, we anyway, my point in saying that is that the only way to get past a narcissist is to completely ignore them. And that's what I was saying before is that these people at this point must be flat out ignored. When you hear Kamala Harris talk about the border is secure and that we, they sit there on Fox News and they talk about, well, is the border secure? What do they mean about that? Or they see Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, right? Talking, he'll make some sort of statement and he'll say that the border is secure. And then we actually sit there and we debate, well, what does he mean by that? Is the border secure? Well, is he lying to us or, or, or you know, uh, what do those words actually mean? No, it just must be flat out ignored. And people need to just, uh, you know, understand to believe their own eyes and realize when somebody is lying to you and not waste one moment sitting here and debating it and actually go out and take action and do something about it. Because the longer we sit here and, and we go back and forth, on what Kamala Harris said and whether or not she's telling the truth, whether or not they're actually doing something about it, um, nothing's going to happen. And every day, over 10,000 people at this point, that's the rate, over 10,000 people are coming to our country per day. Nothing's being done. It's absolutely sickening. And the thing about it is not very many people have the ability to do what you're doing. And, and we just thank God for you. We thank God for your exposure of it. Many people might be saying, well, what the heck can we do? Because our leaders are, are so compromised. You know, you've got the rhinos in the Republicans and the Democrats that, I mean, thank God, a few of the Democrats are now beginning to say, what the heck's going on? And they're trying to get rid of Biden. But of course, they're covering up everything. And now Hunter's going to be the fall guy, uh, you know, uh, to, to basically get rid of Biden because Biden has done this. Uh, some kind of evil has definitely seized um, our our governments in both the United States and Canada. And so when you say, let's do something about it. So I guess we vote well uh, in the next elections. What can Americans do there beside themselves with what's happening? Uh, people got to start speaking up, bottom line. And you know what? One thing I will say, and I thank Elon Musk for this uh, uh, in, a, in a big way, uh, but I think anybody else that has had the, the, the courage to speak up, you know, the last three years ago, for example, to speak up literally might have meant if you if you said, for example, I think that the COVID-19 vaccine is dangerous and might cause myocarditis, um, you might have been literally fired from your job. Now, I think you could say that a bit more openly and there is not as much of a of a threat. Right. What does that mean? The Overton window is is shifting. The Overton window, it's basically like the at any point. What is the acceptable uh, dialogue, right? What might be considered extreme one year, two years later, might be considered the norm, right? And so I think that the Overton window is actually kind of shifting back over to something a bit more reasonable, right? Something that not as uh, uh, radical, tyrannical as it was three years ago. Um, and, and, you know, we need to maintain that and we need to uh, grow upon that. And, you know, I think number one is people need to start uh, speaking out, uh, straight up. If you're not, if you are not openly talking, most people are too afraid to speak. And as long as people are too afraid to speak, how can you expect anybody to do anything uh, a step larger than that, right? Actually getting you're involved right. publicly as far as like running for political office, um, you know, or, or, or fighting, actually fighting back against tyranny. Imagine there was like, a, imagine this, people like to say, uh, well, you know, if I was around during, during, if I was a German during, you know, during the rise of Hitler, I would have done something. Really? Well, as for, you know, the same people that say that are usually too afraid to, to say something or speak up amongst a group of friends or at the workplace. But yet you're the same person that would have stood up against 
uh, the Nazi brown shirts. Like, I don't believe that. So what I'm saying is anybody that gives a damn, look yourself in the mirror and ask, okay, well, have I actually taken step zero, which is mm -hmm. speaking up in the places where it's uncomfortable, not in the places where it's comfortable, like uh, among people that, you know, agree with you that aren't going to say anything. No. Are you speaking up in, in, in your place of business? I get that that might not be the most appropriate place to do it always, but you know, there's lunch breaks, you know, political conversations happen all the time. Do you have the courage to speak up or are you going to sit there and just keep your hands folded and, and your arms crossed and your head down and not say anything? Um, you know, th there's that. Um, you know, if you have money to put behind and start your own organization, get behind and, and try to get your message out to a larger audience. That's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. That's another step. If you can get involved, if you have even more money, more funding, and you could get involved to run for some sort of political office, do that. You know, that's what I would do if I actually had the funding for it. But at this point in my life, you know, I'm in my 20s. I don't, I simply don't have the resources for that. So this is, as far as I'm concerned, the next best thing. And if you don't want to do any of those things, maybe you're simply in a place where, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I got a family. I, I can't, if I, I know that my boss is going to fire me if I speak out and I just, I, I, I just can't do it. Okay, fine. You got a little bit of money, support people that are trying to, you know, wage a fight for our country. Don't just say that you want to do something and do absolutely nothing. But all, all I can say is, and if, if put it this way, but I will say in closing, I'm ranting. If you want to affect change in any way, if, if you know, be that donating money, speaking out, starting an organization of your own, whatever, or, or some other option that I haven't mentioned, if you want to do something, you will do it. I think that most people haven't gotten to the point where they actually want to do something. So what I will say, I'm honestly like almost begging people, it will take all of us, everybody that's watching this, do something if that involves going out, speaking to one person that disagrees with you and trying to convince them, right? That involves speaking up at your job, whatever it may be, go out and do something. And if you watch this and you're nodding your head and you do nothing, um, then shame on you, honestly, because you're doing nothing to further the cause. And, you know, if, if we fail, then you can know that, you know, you did nothing to help us. And, um, you know, if we succeed, well, I guess it didn't make a difference anyway. But if we fail, you know, maybe your efforts would have made a difference, but you did nothing. And so, you know, that that is extremely unfortunate. So everybody out there, please just... Do the minimum, at least. I think that's so fantastic. Um, Anthony Rubin, thank you for your time. I know that you've got a lot on your plate. I think you're absolutely right. And we're telling everybody every day to say something. We just want to promote as well. We're going to put your, um, your uh, Rumble account um, so you can follow what Anthony is doing. Obviously, somebody like him who's willing to put himself in the firing line, you probably have a lot of great stories ahead. And I know that uh, you're going to be on Alex Jones coming up as well. And, you know, once we let you go, we're going to look at what Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson said about China. We're going to do that as soon as we do this. But um, thank you very much for your work, for exposing. I think uh, there are times when certain people uh, save a nation and information is very important because without knowledge the people perish and you're bringing that and i thank you for your courage and i hope that we can have you on again we really appreciate you well yeah i appreciate you guys and this will absolutely take all of us or as many as possible and um yeah like i said i think the overton window is shifting i think that you know we are getting momentum on our side quite frankly i think that because more people than ever are speaking i'm with people than certainly a year ago right are speaking out against what's going on. And I fear that because of that, there will be some major military escalation or something. So that's kind of a warning. I, I urge people to, to keep an eye out for that and to understand- How might that when, happen? How might that happen, oh, Anthony? 
Oh, I mean, there's a million ways that it could happen. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, 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 we just saw uh, the other day that they're, they're, they're actually, they're threatening now to send American troops to Ukraine. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Joe, uh, not, uh, Joe Biden, um, I believe he gave some sort of uh, uh, speech, not really, or a statement, right, from the White House. We don't even know if it was the White House. They like put, it's very strange. They like put him in front of sets now that mimic the White House, but sometimes it's not. I don't know why they do that. It's, uh, to me, it's like weird. It's like some, some strange messaging. I don't really know what that's all about. But, um, and he literally, he says, he, he's threatening. He's saying, listen, we don't want American troops fighting Russian troops. But if, 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 if uh, Russia steps on one inch of NATO territory, that's what's going to happen. And it's like, First of all, I don't even want to get into it. We can, we're going to have a whole other, it's going to turn into a whole other hour long discussion. But the point is, there could be a false flag event. They could just claim that Russia infringed upon NATO territory and then bam, we're, we're already really in World War III. Uh, just, it's, it's undeclared World War III and we don't yet have U.S. troops uh, openly fighting Russian troops. But I mean, that's, that's where this is headed unless we uh, immediately bang a hard U-turn. But that's what all I'm trying to say is that I would be on the lookout for such a military escalation and to be wise to it and understand uh, to look a little bit deeper if and when, God forbid, such a thing happens, because I believe that that's what they will use to then use as a major distraction away from what's going on and away from all the heat that this now open free speech tank, thanks to people like Elon Musk, is putting on the establishment. Right. They will try to distract us with a major military escalation overseas. That's what I fear. I, I genuinely hope that I'm wrong and that I can look back on this in 10 years and I can say, wow, you got called that one incorrectly. But, yeah. I, you know, all signs put, point to something like that happening. But I just want everybody listening to this, be wise to it if and when something like that takes place. It strikes me to ask you one final question, Anthony, and that is uh, as an American and um, you're, you're really seeing into the darkness, like pure evil, what has happened to our country, um, all of the you know, the American patriotism, um, when that anthem is sung, like everything that being American means, uh, what is the personal journey that you're, you're experiencing in seeing this darkness over your own nation? It must be a bit difficult. It, it, it certainly is, but I'll tell you what though, uh, I, I'm an optimist at heart. And, um, I honestly feel, cause you, you, you have to look at life with a glass half full perspective. If you're, if you're not, you know, that's going to be a miserable existence. Perspective is everything, right? Put it this way. I could be met, you and I, okay, we could have the same objective situation right in front of us, right? But depending on what our subjective perspectives are of that uh, situation that's in front of us, you know, we might have two completely different outcomes, right? Uh, how we ha- how we go about tackling that problem, and, and, and right, we might have two totally different outcomes at the end of that. And so, what I'm trying to say is this: perspective is absolutely everything. And so, that being said, I feel absolutely blessed to be alive at this critical time, right? Because you know, had I been born a hundred years from now, let's say let's say we fail, okay? Let's say we absolutely fail. Tyranny takes over the world, and uh, you know, the club of Rome has their way. And the earth is depopulated back down to, you know, 500 million people, right? God forbid. Or there's a nuclear war or whatever. A million things could happen. But at least if I'm alive at this critical point, I, I'm in the driver's seat. And I have the opportunity to do something right now. Because humanity is at a crossroads right now. This might be, I mean, people say it all the time. But I, I truly right now might be one of the most critical points for all of humanity, right? 
a changing of a world order is what's going on right now. This post-World War II world order that we've been in is about to collapse. And there's going to be something that's going to rise up and take that place. And I feel absolutely blessed to have been born at this time because I could actually now actually, you know, have a say and try to influence the outcome of this thing. Whereas if I was born a hundred years from now, I would have no say. And I would have had to hope that there was somebody back a century before that did something about it. And if nobody did anything about it, I would have just had to, you know, live in the, the this society that I was born into with absolutely no say. So everybody that's alive right now, don't get down about anything. Feel blessed that you are now in the position to be part of this, this fight for humanity, which is what it is. And uh, look at it from a glass half full perspective. And, you know, we, we march forward because there's no other choice. I really love that. And I appreciate what you're saying. I think it's absolutely inspiring and very true. And it gives us all hope. And you give us hope. So thank you so much, Anthony. And uh, may you be safe and protected as you continue in your journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Absolutely incredible. I just thank God for men like that. Um, that is uh, very daring, a very courageous person to do what he's done. And uh, let's have a look at, uh, he's going to be, I mean, Anthony's going to be on Alex Jones coming up, he said, but uh, Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones, I don't know if you've seen their latest interview, but it's uh, an hour and a bit, well worth it. Sometimes I, I put uh, videos on fast speed so that I can listen fast. I didn't. I listened to every word in its, uh, you know, normal speed so that I could grasp what was being said. Take a listen to this regarding China. And then they don't point at China, which is the most uh, homogeneous racist group in the world. It's an ethnostate. It's, it's Han Chinese, period. Well, they teach, as you know on their news, that we are going to have Chinese superiority. We are the Chinese supremacist. Uh, Xi Jinping admires Hitler. Uh, he is literally following a race-based operation that is taking the world over, that owns the majority of Hollywood, that's, that's paid off the Democratic Party. And if you look at all these anti-white uh, shows that you see funded in, in Hollywood, almost all of it has majority literal communist Chinese government backing that is funding this. So it's real simple. China looks in and sees this diverse culture, and they say, we're going to use that to split the country up and balkanize it. And that's what they've done. And, and so communist China, along with the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ADL and all these groups, see America's weakness. And they're literally coming in saying white people are inherently bad because of the color of their skin. They inherently have cheated people. They've hurt people. White people invented racism. None of that's true. It's really just tribalism. And then they organize all these other groups into race-based groups to then unify them under the Democratic Party to attack who is left that tends to be more conservative, and that is some white people in this country. Though they're panicking because more and more blacks are voting Republican, more and more Hispanics are voting Republican, they're starting to figure this out. So now they're in panic mode to bring in totally disenfranchised third world populations who are refugees from the multi-year lockdowns in, in Africa, Latin America, and Asia and the Middle East. They then bring them to UN camps, brainwash them, then bring them to our border, brainwash them more, then send them into the United States, and then literally hold them for years at facilities while they're indoctrinated to be this new political underclass that's then going to be turned loose on America. I mean, it's something else. And the gaslighting that is going on, and I think what Anthony had to say was really important. Could you please share this uh, video? If you do nothing else, share it with somebody. 
share what what work is being done to expose the truth because you're not going to get it on the nightly news. Although I'm very thrilled that Fox News, when I watch Laura Ingram, uh, you know, or uh, Waters, um, I do see them putting out the truth about the border while CNN has been largely hiding it. Well, now it's beginning to be just a little bit dangerous to some of the Democrats too. They're starting to go, <clears throat> okay, I know we were kind of following along with this Agenda 2030 and all of that, but has anybody noticed that there's all these people coming in and our nation is being changed forever and we don't feel safe anymore? <clears throat> so this is what's happening. But really, what is it about? It's actually about following the money. And this O'Keefe Media Group undercover report on BlackRock and what is going on, it says it all. Take a look. They don't want to be in the news. They, they don't want people to talk about them. They don't want to be anywhere on the radar. Why not? I don't know, but I suspect it's probably because it's easier to do things when people aren't thinking about it. All of these financial institutions, they buy politicians. You can take this big ton of money and then you can start to buy people. I work for a company called BlackRock. Meet Serge Varley, a recruiter at BlackRock. Let me tell you, it's not the who's the president. It's who's controlling the, the wall. So it's, it's the, and who's that? Like, the hedge funds. The banks, these guys are campaign financing. Yep, you can buy your candidates. And obviously, we have the system place. First, there's the senators, and these guys are shit. You got 10 grand, you can buy a senator. I can give you 500k right now, no questions asked. Yeah, uh, I didn't do this. We're done. Does like everybody do that? Does BlackRock do that? Yeah. It doesn't matter who wins. They're so they're, they're my pocket. Here's Serge Varley on how good war is for BlackRock's business. Do you have any um, thoughts on the Ukraine-Russia war? Yeah, I mean, I, I do have thoughts. What are, what are they? Ukraine is good for business. You, you know, right? I'll give an example. Russia Russia blows up Ukraine's grain silos. Price of wheat's gonna go mad up. Ukrainian economy is tied very largely to the wheat market, global wheat market. Prices of bread and, you know, it, literally everything is, it goes up and down. This is fantastic if you're trading. Volatility creates opportunity to make profit. War is real f***ing good for, for business. It's exciting when shit goes wrong, right? BlackRock manages 20 trillion. It's incomprehensible numbers. I mean, this, this is what's happened is greedy, sick, demented people that actually don't care about humanity and about the proper and just um, course of humanity are more interested in trading stocks where the wheat goes up because somebody blows up a, you know, a, a big wheat processing plant. And so now somehow someone's getting wealthy off of that. And what about all of our politicians? How many of them get kickbacks in the United States and uh, Canada? How many are getting paid, you know, behind the scenes to promote certain things? It's just all corruption. How do people end up so wealthy after they've had a time in politics? I mean, it's 
It's very, very disturbing. The love of money is the root of all evil. Absolutely. And I just want to show this here. Um, you know, all kinds of things are going on. This is uh, a report actually back from um, July, I think it was uh, July 28th, 2023. Mysterious Chinese COVID lab uncovered in the city of Reedley, California. Okay, what about the labs that have been uncovered um, in Canada? Infectious disease scientists at Canada's high security lab collaborated with China. And do you remember the two Chinese, uh, well, the, the two people that were arrested? One was, uh, you know, a Caucasian lady, but arrested in Winnipeg, Manitoba at some kind of weird lab thing going on there. I mean, so much craziness, all of the hiding. And to boot, we have our wonderful um, prime minister who just admires, you know, the dictatorship of China and has tried to basically become that person uh, during his reign, has tried to become that kind of a dictatorial um, regime as we have been forced to be under him and his mandates and his implementation of all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's really Marxism that has seized the day. Marxism that has stepped in and taught our young people, right, uh, about all of these woke um, critical race theory, things like this. This has been a real problem. So um, they're going through quite something in, in trying to figure out what to do with Hunter Biden. Maybe you've seen uh, that he is in a serious amount of um, trouble right now. So let's first look at CBS's Catherine Herridge on Hunter Biden's indictment. This just came down last night. Now, you mentioned there could be more charges. What makes you think that? It's just my reading of, of the document in, in the first page. I think the language is uh, that they describe him as a lobbyist. Lobbyists have to register under what's called FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is a government way of saying that if you're working on behalf of foreign interests, you have to tell the U.S. government. In this case, the indictment spends a lot of time talking about Hunter Biden's business deals with the Ukraine energy firm Burisma. It also talks about his work with a Chinese energy firm, CEFC, and it also talks about his work with Romania. And that, to me, seems to leave the door open to potential fear of violations. I also would add that there has been some reporting subpoenas have been issued for his uh, his business partner, the president's uh, brother, James Biden. And that would go to the idea of a fair, you know, working together, yeah. lobbying on behalf of foreign interests. Now, we say all of that, but their position has been that they he, he accepts responsibility for this, this period in his life, but they've in no way admitted that they have been lobbying on behalf of those entities. Hmm. So when this mainstream uh, group, you know, is um, saying, well, there could be more indictments and they're carefully talking about it, you know that Biden's time is up. Uh, it's, it's all coming out that Biden is uh, having to take a, a lot of drugs in order to just be like awake and um, able to handle the responsibilities of being the president of the United States while being completely incoherent most of the time. Um, so he's, he's on drugs. Uh, he's acting very senile. There's reports from inside of the White House that he's walking around virtually naked. Uh, that very, very strange things are going on, and he's not well, and you can see that. And I, I actually feel sorry for him, and 
I don't want to feel sorry for him because you know what I'm sick and tired of having is feeling sorry uh, for, for people who are very evil and who've actually created the world that is now coming down on them. And because I have a very tender heart, and you might not uh, be able to see that once in a while when I'm uh, kind of a tough person on here, but I have a very tender heart. Like if somebody has made a mistake in life and, and they apologize, I'm a very forgiving person. Um, I, if, if something, you know, if I see that people are truly sorrowful for, for errors that they have made, I believe that we should forgive, that we should honor them, and that this is a world where in second chances and relentless redemption, which is the title of my book. Oh, I happen to have one right here. And you can go to my website, laurelin.tv and, uh, go to the, um, uh, go to the, the spot. Oh, that's good. JT just up with that right away. You know, I, I haven't promoted my book very much, but I am a person who believes in the second chance because it happened to me. Uh, because uh, earlier in my life, you know, I've been through a few things that caused me great pain and great shame. And so when I was forgiven, when I got a second chance at life, I never looked back. I went, okay, God, if you're going to give me this opportunity to, to fight hard, then I'm going to take everything that I've got and I'm going to fight hard for, for the truth for justice. And that's one of the reasons I am so tough, but I still have remaining in my heart. Like I see Biden, I don't know if you're like me and he's all old and, and they're asking him questions. He's like, well, you know, I just, no, that's not going to happen. My, my son is a good son. No, and I never had anything to do with his, his dealings with those, you know, news you know, with those, uh, the, the, the people that he associated with, I, you know, I, I like, I look at him and I go, Oh, you know what I mean? Like, he's just this little old man that should be having a, a quiet, peaceful time with family, not on camera, trying to pretend that he's in charge at all. And then people say, well, Obama's running the country. And here's the problem I have when they say that Obama's running the, the country. Is Obama so stupid? Like maybe he he really is stupid. Um, I don't find him to be the brightest brick on the block, actually. And his very slow speech when he talks, I find annoying, very annoying. But how can Obama be running? Is he still running America into the ground? I mean, maybe that is his intention. To make the Democrats look so stupid because they are in power, they've somehow managed to figure out how to get there and stay there, despite all of the corruption that is shown. They can indict Donald Trump, you know, and he had to go through two impeachment ceremonies, but they cannot, with all the evidence, seem to bring an impeachment against Joe Biden when we've got these checks in his inner family, when we've got true evidence showing criminal activity or the potential of certainly, certainly facts that should be um, exposed or explained. If you want to say, oh yeah, it's super easy, you know, well then explain it in a, in, in a way that makes you look innocent. And instead what's coming out is all of these payments. It looks like the Biden family has received millions of dollars, not just from China, but the Ukraine and other places. And, and we all just watch all of this and, and no justice. It's really insanity. 
And you have to wonder what's really going on. And then get this. So with Hunter Biden, and, and I want to show you a clip now of Ted Cruz uh, questioning the FBI director, Christopher Ray on like, they're going to go and the FBI is actually going to finally do something. They're going to go and raid. Oh, they, cause they kind of have to, because we're, sh we're being shown that Hunter Biden is a criminal and they want to bring down Joe Biden, who apparently, you know, Obama, who's running everything, can't tell to step down. Is, is, is Biden tougher than Obama? I don't know. But they're like, okay, we're going to raid Hunter Biden's locker. But this is what happens before they raid it. Take a look. Let me ask you also, the whistleblower testified that investigators wanted to execute a search warrant on a storage unit used by Hunter Biden, and instead they tipped off Hunter Biden's lawyer before the search warrant was carried out. Is it typical FBI practice to tip off the subject of a search warrant before the search warrant so they can remove any evidence that's incriminating? What is typical is that when you're dealing with an individual who has a protective detail, uh, it is typical for agents to be in contact with the, the subject's protective, protective detail, detail. Does the protective detail guard the, the storage unit? Again, I can't speak to the storage unit specifically, but I can tell you is that why, when it comes to... Why would the FBI tip off the subject of a search warrant about the storage unit that was going to be searched beforehand? Does that not undermine the very essence of an investigation that DOJ is purporting to undertake? Again, I'm not going to be able to discuss specific investigative steps. But who that we're is? Taking if you're this. not, nobody answers these questions, and it's why people are furious with the cover-up, because you don't believe the FBI is accountable to Congress or to the American people. How mental is that? That you're the FBI, like this guy, he is just dirty as dirty gets, isn't he? Absolutely disgusting. We can no longer tr trust the FBI and the CIA. Now, I've heard that there are good members that are in these organizations that are also sickened by what they see, and they're sickened by the ill repute, the loss of reputation that these organizations are now receiving. Um, it's so offensive. We find out that in the past, the murder of JFK looks like it's because of CIA involvement. Like, who do you trust then? And that's like from way back. When did the country get so bad? I've heard some things uh, being thrown around that basically 1972, 1971-72 uh, ushered in a, a Marxist era where they began really infiltrating our universities, which is how you teach people to be evil in the universities. The universities have been corrupted and they've now used their woke agendas to pick the right woke person to, to be the presidents of, of these universities. So when there is a true crisis, when there is pure evil being put upon the land with all of these marches for the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian groups calling for the annihilation openly, Antifada, calling for the open killing of the Jews. And suddenly, never again, you know, we all say that th that will never happen again. Suddenly, they can't speak correctly. This is what happened with uh, Representative Elise Stefanik asking UPenn President Liz McGill if calling for the genocide of the Jews is against their speech policies. Take a look. At Penn. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? 
If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? Unbelievable. What a disturbing and sickening woman. How uh, lacking in discernment, how unwise, how very unlearned. For all of the education she must have gotten in order to sit in such a prestigious position, she literally cannot discern the times and has become a danger. Well, her actions, her words, her speech that day that has now gone viral has cost her university $100 million from a very prominent donor. He is revoking his money. And you know what? It kind of comes down to the place. We're going to have to start doing all of that too. We're going to have to say we only spend money where we know our values are being adhered to. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. Let's talk about, let's, let's look at President Liz McGill's, um, basically her hostage video where she tries to apologize for what we just saw. Take a look. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the US Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. So somehow she just had a moment and then she has to write out a speech to kind of like do damage control because people are calling for her to be let go. What kind of person would defend calling for violence against any people group? Think of some other people groups. What kind of person that does not out and out say that this would be a violation when you're, you're in charge of a university and, and so you, the, the policies, the safety of that university, the education of the kids that are, uh, you know, in the university so that they would see justice displayed? What kind of person has such a lack of, of, of judgment in a moment seen by the entire world? And then she, you know, she basically has to write out her little uh, speech and, and, and look, you know, like she's a hostage, like she's in a hostage situation because I don't think she believes any of it because I think she's completely corrupted. I think she's an anti-Semite. 
And now they're all hiding because, oh, if it comes out that this is what you are, and oh, and we're losing money. She should be fired in disgrace and have to fame, face the shame of her words pretty much for the rest of her life. Of course, God will forgive her if she's truly repentant. But how disgusting is that? So here's what we have going on. We have a whole bunch of, of people who have infiltrated our universities and they're now teaching this. And that's why we see so many university young people being propagandized into stupidity. Like they're literally stupid. How stupid do you have to be to support the, the Hamas attack of October 7th? And believe me, that's what they're doing. And what, what's really upsetting to me is not understanding that the Palestinians support Hamas as they were attacking, burning alive, raping, cutting off limbs, as they were doing it on October 7th, there was a celebration going on with the Palestinians, the people of Gaza. Because in spite of the fact that many of them have made their lives every day by having work and, and, and having a place to go and, and, you know, in and out of Israel, being cared for, by some of the Israeli people who would bring them to hospitals that could help them because Gaza didn't have what it took. Gaza was given their independence, basically, in 2005. They voted in Hamas terrorists. They have taught and indoctrinated their children to hate Israel. That's what's happened. They, they have taught them that Israel doesn't deserve any land. And I, I, this is beyond the, the talk, oh, are, are the Israelis God's chosen people? Hey, you know what? Let's leave that for another day. Does it matter? This is a, a society trying to bring good. And yes, they have some bad Jews who write me all your letters, everybody. Send me the evil Jews videos. <laughs> you know, you're, you're so... It's, it's so ignorant, as if everyone should judge all Canadians by Trudeau. What if that happened? Oh, Canadians, oh, they're pure evil. Have you seen Trudeau's video? Have you seen Christia Freeland? She's a freak. Oh, all Canadians are bad. No. Some Canadians are pure evil, and some Jews are pure evil, and some uh, Ismaili people are pure evil. Some um, Muslim people are pure evil. So we fight evil. Here's the problem with the Palestinians, and, and it's a well-known problem throughout the Middle East. It's a corrupted society because their values are corrupt. Now, the one way that they join together is in their, their Islamic belief. So that's why they'll get some help from Jordan. That's why they'll get some help from Iran and, and from Lebanon. But guess what? All those places, they've rejected the Palestinians because they view them as a difficult people. Wherever they go, they cause trouble. And I, I was reading about 1982 where Israel and Lebanon got in a huge conflict because 
someone who's from there was trying to tell me that it was an Israeli problem. So I said, okay, I'm going to investigate. So I start reading about what happened. Well, the Palestinians, PLO, in Lebanon were constantly attacking Israel. So Israel rose up and attacked them back where they lived in Lebanon. And so these people, in breeding into their own children hatred, they're teaching hatred all the time, have now reaped a whirlwind of hell on their land. And all, a lot of people, not all the people, a lot of you are really smart, a lot of people being deceived into false empathy for a group of people that celebrated the rape of women, the mutilation of children, the burning alive of families, the raping of men. Men and women raped, beheaded. Do you know how I know that? Because I did the painstaking work of listening to the people who had to tend to the bodies of the dead in Israel. So I guess if you don't believe all of this, you could investigate as well. And you can watch their tears and then you tell me they're acting. You watch their tears. They have video. They have the documentation of the dead people and what happened in Israel. I do not support that. I do not support terrorism. One of the problems that we have is we're so silent. We can't have, we can't have proper conversations anymore. My, my friend sent me uh, something that I put up on Twitter. I don't know if I can find it fast enough. But it basically said, instead of teaching our kids uh, how to have good conversations, uh, everybody said, oh, let's just not talk about it. You know, let's, let's not talk about, um, you know, these difficult things, uh, religion. Here it is, JT. Would you mind showing this? A friend of mine said this to me. Being taught to avoid talking about politics and religion has led to a lack of understanding of politics and religion. What we should have been taught was how to have a civil conversation about a difficult topic. This is what's important, that we are able to have conversations because like our guest today, Anthony, who's doing a lot more than talking, he's, he's putting his life on the line. I, I pray for protection over that young man. Um, Anthony said, at least speak at least say something when all of this Palestinian nonsense is going on. Hey, maybe you don't, you don't have to do the talking cause you don't know all the, the deal, you know, the, the facts about 1982 or 72 or all of these different problematic situations or how 1948 came about, you know, it's hard for you to truly understand it. I recommend one thing and that would be to go to the interview that I did, and I'll see if I can uh, call it up real fast as well. But um, this is the interview that I did with, um, this is with my friend from, from back east, um, George. Yeah, yeah, so I'm having a problem here. Let me just pull it up. I wanna get the name of it. If you share this information, I've had so many people write me 
and tell me that it was by far. Ah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. So this is the one, everybody. Go to this, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict um, unpacked. What uh, my friend does, he, he shows how the Arabs have been against the Palestinians, what they thought about it. Arabs against Palestine. He brings up quotes. If you do nothing else and you want to understand what has transpired, he has brought together the most amazing, amazing uh, bit of information uh, that I've ever seen. And, and I would say that if you can even begin to understand some of this and see the truth, see how he pulls out what they actually said. He gives the quotes, he gives the uh, sources for what he had. If you can be so, you know, willing to put even that, take that, take that video. Okay, it's on my Rumble page and it's called what against uh, JT? Um, it's called, uh, let me just get it here. The Is Israeli-Palestinian-Hamas conflict unraveled. If you will just go to my page, it's right underneath um, the interview with MEP Christine Anderson. So when you see her page, you go right down to the next one. Share, share, share. Share what you saw today. Um, I, you know, I'm being shadow banned so badly because of the information that I present. So if you can do something to help to get the word out, that would be good. Because I will tell you that every single day, this is why we do what we do. Uh, Laurelin.tv, go to our website. If you're ever wondering why I've disappeared, you know, on a channel, because we speak the truth here and we do it um, at a great risk that, you know, we'll be just shut down. And I don't think that um, I'm going to allow, oh, isn't that cool? We're, we're live on, we're actually live on, uh, our, on our website as well. That's cool. Um, I don't think that we can be silent at a time like this. If you appreciate that we do this, would you do something? Would you help us? How about 20 bucks a month? How about 50 bucks a month? Some of you, you could afford more. How about a one-time gift? And you know what? It's so awesome. Thank you to whoever the anonymous donors are. Yesterday, uh, we had uh, two anonymous donors, and I just, I just want to thank you so much. This is the only way I can say thanks. You must be watching enough to know that uh, you can donate anonymously. Um, I appreciate it. You, you know, I just thank you. I love to write you a letter, know who you are, but if you don't want to be known, it's no problem. We're just so grateful that people are helping us to keep the lights on, to keep us doing what we do so that we're doing our part. Your part, you don't have to, you know, be a wartime correspondent and go down and be taken hostage like Anthony Rubin. And you don't have to sit here every day and, and you know, go through like some of you would just literally, you know, rather die than have to speak in public. That's okay. You know, that's more like my husband. He's not, he's not the on-camera guy, right? He is the amazing behind-the-scenes dude that helps this to happen. And every day we get up. And we go through the stress, and it is stressful sometimes, of choosing what we need to show you, what we need to highlight, who we're having on, how do we best shore up, you know, uh, the truth so that you understand. Do you understand that we're being seized, that our, our justice system is seized, that our political system is seized? And if you think that changing government into an already criminal, criminal established 
political system in Canada, if you think that is going to change anything, we're just in such trouble. Don't worry, everyone. Pierre Polyev's getting in. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. <sighs> Tucker Carlson's story when he was on the jet plane. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to tell that story again. My son says, you always tell that story. But okay, Tucker Carlson was on a plane and it crashed <laughs> into the sand dunes. This is a true story many, many years ago. And the guy, so once they've like landed, he sees the, the, the wing is on fire and the flight attendant jumps up and he's like, sit down, everything is fine because Tucker Carlson's taking off his, uh, you know, uh, seatbelt and he's heading for the door because he's going to jam open the door and get the heck out of the, the, the plane that just crashed that's on fire, right? But the flight attendant, oh, the... The authoritarian, the person in charge that we're supposed to listen to, the person that we put all our trust and hope in, you know, is standing up going, sit down, everything is fine. And, uh, and, and so, <laughs> and so that's, I, I feel kind of like that's what we're living, that the world is telling us to sit down, don't worry about it. No, the, the border's not being invaded. It's only 10,000 people a day and, you know, 2 million have come in. I mean, what are you worried about, right? Pure insanity. Every, everything's going to be fine because we have an election in Canada coming up where, you know, I admire that, um, that Pierre, uh, Pierre Polyev put out, he, he put out something on, uh, he put out a, a great little video on housing and all of that, right? And many of you have seen that. Well, he didn't have any mention of what we talked about today. All of the people coming in to our country, the mass migration, the influx of illegal, illegal entities coming into our countries. How that affects housing? No mention of, of things like that. Or even how we've sold our souls and allowed China influences and China money to come in and, and purchase the land up and leave, leave condos sitting empty because they can just afford to. They've, they can afford to and it's just driven everything up. Like These are... Uh, these are the days, and I just ask you, don't worry. I, I want a change of leadership in Canada, and we're going to get that sooner or later, we pray. The strangest thing of all time would be, no matter who you put as the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, that we don't get rid of Trudeau. Because they managed to do that in the United States of America, if you'll remember. They thought that Trump was getting back in. And wow, Biden got more votes than Obama. Who knew? <laughs> he was so popular. Who knew that Biden could actually outdo Obama? Oh, Obama's running the show. Can't get rid of Biden. So now they have to prosecute the son. Sort of, in order to try to get rid of Biden for the next, because Biden keeps saying, yes, I'm going to have to run because Trump's running. Wow. Have you seen all these videos of the uh, African-American community 
now choosing to vote for Trump? Have you seen all the videos of the Spanish and Latino and the talk show hosts now saying, you know, I think, I think we got to get Trump in. I pray for a landslide so that we can restore some sort of justice there. And hopefully Canada will follow in its suit. Hey, on my website, so we have some, uh, we have some t-shirts there. This is a cool one. And uh, my chromosomes are XY. 100% dude. Oh, there you go. Look at you. I don't even have to hold this up then. Um, and there's a chromosome XX for the gals. And a bunch of different t-shirts there. If you want some Christmas ideas. I really, really like, uh, I really like this female... I don't know if you can see, it's way too small. Is that the best we have for showing that, that girl video, that girl one? Because um, here's the thing, it looks exactly like Dominique. Yeah, there it is, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's uh, a gal who helps me um, get some, some very good stuff done. And uh, she happened to end up looking exactly like the gal who's, who's on the who's on the t-shirt. I absolutely love it. My chromosomes are XX equals 100% gal. Wow, hopefully we're not going to be taken off. We're probably going to have to take off our, our feed today on one of the places. Okay. All right. I just want to leave you uh, with some scripture today. And uh, I want you to know something. That God's large and in charge. So, in spite of all of this looking bad, what if the plan is that um, evil, evil has its season, and then a lot of people cry out to God because of it? Because sometimes. Uh, that's the only thing that causes people because they don't serve God otherwise. They just get high on themselves like King Saul, who I talked about in the beginning of today's show. King Saul, great man. He, apparently he was tall and handsome and uh, he was wise and smart and God chose him to lead the people. And instead of being an honorable and good king, he got high on himself. Greed was probably in there somewhere. And he thought that he could just do certain tiny little things to, um, instead of being obedient to God, he could just do these things and offer these sacrifices. And that is what got him. In Jeremiah 21, Verse 11, it says, Moreover, say to the royal house of Judah, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you, house of David. And this is the house of Israel that we speak of today. This is what God said. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor. The one who has been robbed or my wrath will break out and burn like fire. Guess who the new Jerusalem is? It's us. It's the people of North America who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I believe that when the Lord is speaking to the house of David, he's speaking to the engrafted 
family as well. And he's saying, if you do not do what you are supposed to do, then my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil that you have done. It will burn with no one to quench it. I am against you, Jerusalem. You who live above this valley on the rocky plateau, declares the Lord. You who say, who can come against us? Who can enter our refuge? I will punish you as your deeds deserve, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in your forest that will consume everything around you. Jeremiah was speaking to the disobedience of the people of God in that, in that day and age. Now, if you go a few chapters later, uh, judgment against wicked kings happens, and then eventually the righteous branch. The people start realizing that they have to repent for their evil. Sometimes that's why bad times happen, because it's the only way to force everyone to understand the consequences of sin, that rather than following God, we have followed evil. So we pray today that God's righteous judgment will come, that we will repent, and we will be saved. God bless. Have a great weekend. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.